You are Locked On Wolverines, your daily podcast on the Michigan Wolverines, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Happy Tuesday. We are back and doing it. Locked On Wolverines podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. I need to move the camera here. <laughs> I'm your man on the ground as a whole publisher of Wolverines Wire through USA Today Sports Media Group. And I'm playing with fire with the camera battery. I forgot to charge one of many batteries. This is the only one that has any charge. I wasn't going to wait. So we might lose video at some point in this episode. Um, anyway, uh, we're going to talk a little basketball. There's a bunch of little things to discuss uh, that we're going to get into. Uh, that'll take one or two segments and then we'll fill out the rest. I don't remember who asked it, but they said they wanted to know more about my college experience at Michigan. There's just not like even for someone who just wrote like five things today, there's not weirdly like a ton to really talk about news wise. So I think today is a good day to, to kind of delve into that. I was said I was going to maybe do it over the weekend last weekend. It didn't happen that way. Um, so, all right, let's, uh, let's get into the basketball of it. Let's start with, uh, the Jawan Howard speculation, the rumor mill, it's back, right? And I and I know there's some mixed reactions this time compared to some other times. I, I urge you to to have a little bit of a level head when it comes to that. I know there's some people that say, well, if it means actually someone did say this, that means getting Jay right, then awesome. It, it, you know what? You don't want to go through that. And Jay Wright left Villanova for a reason, right? So I, 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 I've always cautioned, especially with head coaches, be careful what you wish for. It's been essentially a, a kind of a one season, really, of disappointment. Last season, two seasons ago, that is, was also uh, a little bit of a disappointment considering what people ex- you know, had hoped for, but still made it to a sweet 16. You know, I understand there are higher aspirations now for the Michigan basketball program, so that's good. But you also have, uh, number one, I'm going to say this up top, because this is what 24-7 Sports said. They said uh, they, they singled out two coaches, Jerry Stackhouse and Juwan Howard, and said they might be NBA-bound guys. And it, it, it tied Jerry Stackhouse, I don't remember what program, and it had uh, Juwan Howard going to the Detroit Pistons to replace Dwayne Casey, who was moved up into the front office. And the, the way I look at that is probably not. It's the typical same deal as the Jim Harbaugh of it all. Of Some people do not understand the pull of the alma mater. And Jim Harbaugh, I think, has a little bit more of those NFL aspirations than I think Juwan Howard necessarily has as far as NBA aspirations. I don't know that he'll be a Michigan lifer necessarily, but I think if he could be, he would be. That's kind of the difference. I think Jim Harbaugh, if the right situation came around with the right everything and Michigan football is in the right position, I could see a scenario where Jim Harbaugh would be like, you know what? All right. I think that now is the time I want a Super Bowl. I don't think Jawan Howard has that with the NBA. So I think that it's just your typical, all right, let's see what's out. You know, we're, we need to write something. Let's, you know, this is a good what something that we can write. Michigan fans certainly are going to be all up in it. But then, of course, you've got a lot of Michigan fans that are of the mind of, oh, well, hey, you know what? This last season, 
it, it feels like six seasons all in one. You know, what, what has he done? Let's get rid of him. Keeping in mind, like, A, recruiting has gone up. I know this last year it didn't necessarily matter, but there were injuries. I mean, he's had injuries kind of throughout, right? Isaiah Livers was pretty injured in key moments. Uh, that was a couple of years ago. Uh, and yet they still made a deep run, right? Uh, this year, Jalen Llewellyn was injured. Uh, last year, uh, Mike Smith had some moments where he went down and you saw Frankie Collins. And the recruiting is really ticked up, right? You got a Caleb, you know, Caleb Love and Damari Burnett coming in. The, the transfer portal is part of the recruiting. He's able to get some of these guys that could transform a program immediately. You don't know that the next guy can do that. You can say, well, here's who's on my wish list. But hey, guess what? It doesn't mean you're actually going to get the guy on your wish list. You know? So I would caution those. It, you know, we, we have some grace sometimes with a bad season. You would think with basketball in particular, there'd be a little bit more grace. John Beeline had some bad seasons. And I, even when I've been covering the team, you know, where people were like, you know what? I don't think he's the right guy here. That's how people felt in 2017 for most of the year. Like, you know what? I think that the juice has been, you know, it's kind of, I'm talking 16, 17, of course, not 17, 18. But it, it's, you know, I feel like maybe he's just not the right guy to lead this program. And it felt that way deep into February. And then things turn around, right? So uh, again, you know, it, it is kind of a, short-term thinking to some degree. Now, yes, I understand. I have a bias with Jawan. He's my guy, you know, but I would say this for anyone that's had what he's been able to do, right? He, there, there are some problems. Defense was certainly a problem this year. They couldn't stop anything. Perimeter defense has been a problem for the majority of his time. Offense even when it doesn't work, it's pretty clear it's not a problem. They just need to get more shooters. This year was a situation where they found themselves incapable of getting shots to fall. And it's just a lot, you know, it seems like that's been kind of the case here and there. I'm curious to see what it looks like this next year, because this next year has a lot of opportunity for it to turn around with or without Hunter Dickinson. Like, I'm looking at that roster, and I'm salivating a little bit. And it's not even a complete deal yet. Now, you need that. You need, the you know, the starters to step up. You need the bench to step up. And I think that there's a lot that uh, could certainly go right for this team in the future. Just be careful what you wish for. It's the same thing as the, the people who are ready to move on from Jim Harbaugh uh, after 2020, right? I'm not saying it's the same. But, you know, if, if, if a lot of you would have gotten your wish, you wouldn't have had, probably would not have had two Big Ten champions chips and uh, two college football playoff appearances and two wins over Ohio State. Let's keep talking a little Michigan basketball, at least for the first half of the next segment, and then maybe we'll segue right in the middle of the segment. Let's see how that goes. Grand slams, no hitters, and double plays are back. There's no better place to get in on MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. 
Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up, place your bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you do not win. So don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. I might be getting cocky, but I think the if you're watching not listening i think the battery is going to hold up here at least have the one on the charger now so this won't be an issue tomorrow um this is a problem i turn i turn the camera off after we get done doing this and then i'm always like okay you know i gotta remember to take that battery and charge it but then i start actually editing the podcast and all of that you know audio and video and all that and sometimes i forget and as you if you've watched or listened for any point in time you know that I am a very forgetful person. I need to not even say that. I remember in having an acting class, I said, I, uh, I'm clumsy. And my acting teacher, Guy Sandville at Purple Rose Theater in Chelsea said, don't you ever say that. And I actually became less clumsy once I changed my mindset of being like, oh, I'm a clumsy person. So I'll uh, try not to be as forgetful. But anyway. Uh, so I wanted to address the roster with the Michigan basketball, because like I just said, you know, Caleb Love, Namari Burnett, that's your backcourt now, you know, and this is again, assuming that neither Jet Howard nor Kobe Buff can come back. And even if they do, I, I think now at least you have some cohesion, assuming that there's no injuries. Caleb Love hasn't necessarily had the type of career that he had hoped. Neither has Namari Burnett. But, you know, it's that's why you seek greener pastures. We've seen transfers come and do even better, usually, than where they were at before. Not always. You know, Joey Baker didn't exactly light things up completely, but Michigan certainly wanted him back. We're, we're not able to get the six-year. Uh, Jalen Llewellyn, we're just kind of waiting to see if he's able to get his sixth. Um, it, it, it kind of feels like maybe not, but at, at the same time, I mean, you've got a lot of guys now in, at guard that you're hoping can work out. And obviously we're, we're all still kind of waiting to see if Papa Conte ends up in the class due to his, uh, supposed scholastic issues. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, you're looking at, you know, George Washington, and Doug McDaniel and Caleb Love as your point guards. And obviously, you can usually flex point guards out to shooting guards. Uh, you got Namari Burnett. There's other question marks beyond that when it comes to, to the, other, the other guards, right? Because, uh, you know, Isaiah Barnes moved on. And, uh, and, and obviously, you, you hope to get another year out of Kobe Bufkin, Um Especially because it was like, yeah, he's looked really good, but he hasn't necessarily been that otherworldly game changer type per se. Um, here, I'm going to pull just because I want to make sure I, I, I'm mentioning everybody. Again, I'm, I'm going to say I'm forgetful for the rest of this episode, at least. That's, that's at least where we're going to be at. <laughs> um, so, uh, all right. So we we got we we hit those guys. Let's just double check here who else we got. I think I actually hit hit everybody. That uh, uh, all the guards. All right, cool. Um, so then, as far as forwards, Terrence Williams had not a good year. 
but you hope that maybe, just maybe, maybe, maybe he can figure it out. Because we've seen the flashes, and it seemed like Terrence was a plus player until this year. But just hasn't really worked out that way. Yusuf Kayat at least got in uh, in the last NIT game. Jace Howard seems like he's kind of been moving up in the world. They brought in Trey Jackson from Seton Hall. So th- there's, there's some, some guys there that can maybe do something. Greg Glenn we haven't seen yet. That's why I pull it up because I can never remember his name, ever. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they go after another transfer. That's just how this basketball team has kind of been. And then right now it's Terrace Reed at center. So either you're going small or you get Hunter Dickinson back and or Papa Conte makes it onto campus. So all in all, I think just the backcourt is such an improvement from what it was. Yeah, your front court maybe loses some a lot of stuff here, right? In Hunter, but if if you can get your backcourt just to to work, then get more than than you know two guys able to produce on a night because that's the one thing. Even at the beginning, the, the first couple of years of the Jawan Howard era, it seemed like he was getting a lot from guys that weren't like John Teske was. He was pretty good, but he became a force under Jawan Howard. He wasn't a force under John Beeline. He was decent, but he wasn't. He became a force. You need guys to be able to have that kind of development, become upperclassmen, but have that kind of development. You, and we've seen flashes from Terrace Reed. You just hope that you see more out of him. But we've seen in the Juwan Howard era, even similar to what we saw with John Beeline, like, all right, you're going to go and stop those two guys. Guess what? There's three others coming at you. So I feel I feel a lot better about the roster, I think, right now than I did this time a year ago. That I, I wasn't particularly keen on what this was going to be. You know, you're relying heavily on freshmen and guys that you don't know. Now you're at least relying on guys that maybe need that fresh start, that have that potential. I'm talking to Caleb Love and Namari Burnett. Some guys that you've seen potential from. Uh, Doug, Doug McDaniel, Terrace Reed. Uh, I didn't even mention Will Shetter. Uh, who, who's got a lot of hustle. I think he could be, if he doesn't foul, could be great on the defensive end. And you've got, uh, you know, guys that we, you know, aren't particularly sure about. So I am curious. All right, let's talk about my college uh, experience, the University of Michigan, uh, since I, I was asked about that. So I'm just going to give you the background here. So I was born at University of Michigan, Ann Arbor. My mom just told me it was the teaching hospital, which I did not know until Easter Sunday when she said it, but I know I was born at University of Michigan Hospital. I guess it was technically, it's all probably a teaching hospital, right? I don't know. Um, so I was born there to my mom. I grew up with uh, at my grandparents' house, and my grandpa was a Michigan alum, uh, as he told me once back in 2009, watching the... Uh, watching the Michigan-Michigan State game at a bar in Santa Monica, California. He, he started laughing. He goes, you know, back when I went to Michigan, Fritz Chrysler was the coach. I'm like, oh, Grandpa, don't tell anybody that. <laughs> That's so long ago. Um, and uh, so my aspirations were that I was going to Michigan because my grandpa was my hero. 
didn't grow up with a father. So my grandpa was my hero. And um, I applied to four schools. And it was just because they told me you have to apply to multiple schools. I only cared about getting into Michigan. And uh, uh, so I applied to Michigan, Michigan State. There was no way I was going to Michigan State. It was just a vanity that out there if anything i was going to go to eastern michigan just so i could be close to ann arbor and then transfer in and western michigan was the other so that was just obviously the two state schools two of the directional schools well thankfully despite uh, the michigan liaison coming to holly high school where i graduated telling everyone hey i'm here but none of y'all are getting into michigan somehow i did and um I went for a year, 1999, 2000. At that point, I was just burned out of school. I was just over it. I was cared way more about my band. And I couldn't get in any classes I wanted to because I was so young. And uh, so I just didn't go to classes my second semester. My first semester, I think I had three classes, uh, four credits, credit hours each, uh, 12 overall. I think I got like a B and two Cs. It wasn't great. It wasn't super terrible but the second semester i just didn't go i went for like the first two weeks and then i stopped so i failed out of school and i was asked not i tried to register and everything and come back and got got a dorm appointment and everything and then i was told by the university you are not coming back so i dropped out and i stayed dropped out for five years and i came back in 2004 and uh, in order to come back, I had to go for uh, two semesters to Oakland Community College. And I took an acting class. Actually, I took two acting classes over two semesters and realized at that time that I loved it because it was creative. And uh, so I was like, all right, I'm going to go back and I'm going to try to get into the theater school. So that is what I tried to do. I met with my advisor. They got me cleared of my academic probation. And I re-enrolled in 2004. Now, the thing is, is I walked into class feeling really old. I was only, what, 23? And, and actually, technically, I think I would have been 22, almost 23. And uh, so I walked in my first class just feeling so much older than everybody being 22. And uh, it was on my mind. I'm like, man, you are so old. So old. Everyone's going to know how old you are. I'm like, ah, you know what? Don't, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You're not that old. It was an English class. I was the first one there. Girl comes in, sits next to me, turns and looks at me and says, oh my gosh, you are so old. You're way older than everyone else. You definitely didn't just graduate high school. Keep in mind, this is before the beard and I have a baby face too. So um, that was a little crazy. But uh, so that, that kind of informed how I handled myself. No South U parties or anything like that house parties i hung out on main street and i went to babs underground lounge that was what i did well improv inferno babs underground lounge um were my haunts sometimes old town or live but uh nonetheless improv inferno is an important part here to my journey we're gonna get to that momentarily All right, so we're talking about my University of Michigan journey. And I promise there will be football involved. So uh, I'm, in, I'm in my second go at a freshman year in 2004. And uh, I 
I, I was into acting. I was taking classes at the aforementioned Purple Rose Theater as an extracurricular, as well as improv classes at Improv Inferno. Just really stacking it, especially because I still think I had my job at Singular Wireless. Uh, at that I transferred from Clarkston to Briarwood Mall. And um, at Improv Inferno, I met a, a film student named Phil Ranta, who looked familiar, and I looked familiar to him, and it was because we didn't realize for several weeks that I had tried out for his uh, film thesis. Uh, Phil was in his senior year, but he was about six months uh, younger than me, a grade below me originally. And, uh, but we hit it off and we became really good friends. And I went through the whole improv curriculum. And uh, because I was getting frustrated at not being able to get into the theater school, I had the worst possible audition that one could probably have. I forgot all of my lines, had to start over. It just, they probably looked at me and was like, this is the greenest kid ever. So I didn't get into the theater school. I tried to transfer over from LSNA where I was originally enrolled. And um, so uh, Phil was like, well, why don't you become a film major? Because then you get to act in all of your own stuff or like other film student stuff. We usually cast uh, the film people. And I was like, you know what? That sounds like a good idea. So I was finally able to get into the art of film with Lucia Sachs. That's the name that I couldn't remember a couple days ago and can remember some somehow right now. And uh, I fell in love with it and I completely stopped acting uh, except for a couple little roles here and there, uh, usually in other, you know, my own or other people's projects out of necessity. And uh, that kind of set me on my path. And uh, so Phil graduated. He moved to California to pursue his uh, his dream. That's what we all do. We graduate from the film school and most of us moved to Los Angeles. I was one of them. And so I declared that I was going to be a film major. And in the process, so as an actor, I before I declared or around the same time, I, I acted in this movie for my friend Jamie Shank called When Jaster Singh Hates Everything, where I played uh, this teacher that uh, the writer, Daniel Strauss, uh, had... Uh, it was a teacher that he had. It was just like a chain smoker. And I was a smoker at the time. So it completely, I was like, cool, I get to smoke as many cigarettes as I want. That's awesome. I'm doing that. <laughs> so, uh, it, but in doing that, that made it so when I started taking film production classes, I became active in imagination films. And I became uh, a board member for it. And that's the University Activity Center. And in that, and here's where the football starts to come in. And we'll, we'll get into more football here, but... Uh, I met a young man who, uh, I, I had produced a, uh, a little, uh, like fake documentary thing that aired in the uh, yearly film festival starring, uh, actually I think, no, I think this was for dance marathon. This aired during dance marathon, uh, a young man named Mike Hart. So we, we met up in the UAC offices. Mike Hart came in. There's, uh, pictures on Facebook of, us all together and I'm, I'm maybe I'll splice that in here so you can see what the what that looked like but um, yeah so that was a little football action meanwhile one of the, we were very close with the theater students and I knew Jackie Lorian Long is her last name now she married Jake Long but uh, he was around as well so I had these grand machinations of wanting to do because uh, I did a lot of these fake this is sports center commercials that played in between the movies 
they used to be on YouTube, but I took them down um, due to uh, monetization policy. And uh, I was trying really hard to get uh, those two and and Chad Henney and Steve Breston. And Steve Breston was very close with uh, Daniel Strauss, who wrote that uh, other movie. Uh, and he acted in some other film that he did. But uh, the football and film weirdly intertwined sometimes. Now, here's the other thing. I didn't care at all about football, really, uh, in my first go, right? Like I said, I was all about music. So I, I finally cared about football, but I cared more about Detroit Lions football when I came back to school. So 2004, I watched some of the Michigan games. Didn't go to one. 2005, I watched all of the Michigan games. I didn't go to any. And then 2006 rolls around, and I'm like, you know, I was in Vegas for the season opener against Vanderbilt, and I was watching it in my hotel room and everything like that. Like, I can't miss this. It's, you know, it's Michigan football. So finally, I got I, I got in my head. I'm like, I am going to games. I didn't have didn't sign up for season tickets, but I bought tickets off of eBay and then traded them for student seats to a, with a scalper uh, to go to the Wisconsin game. It was the only game Wisconsin lost that year. And, and Michigan, as you know, in 2006, uh, only lost its last two games. But I was immediately, the moment that I was in the big house and saw what it was all about, I stopped caring about the Detroit Lions and was absolutely obsessed with Michigan football. It changed the trajectory of my life. Because when I moved to California, all I cared about before it was all I cared about was film and and all of that kind of stuff, film production and uh, wanting to be a producer. I wasn't necessarily that passionate about being a producer, but, you know, I just wanted to be in the world and that I, I tend to be very assertive. So it made sense, you know, but uh, changed everything because when I got to L.A., it was all about getting people together to watch Michigan football whether it was everyone going to a Michigan bar, getting other people to go to a different bar to watch Michigan football uh, or having parties at my place. It became a thing. Uh, I was certainly an evangelist to people who had no desire or care about Michigan football to come and watch Michigan football. And so when I moved back in 2012, I was of singular mind and focus that I wanted to do something in the industry so I taught myself how to do a lot of things that we didn't get taught in film school, Adobe After Effects primarily. And uh, I utilized that to make hype videos, to up the hype videos. And those started getting posted on MGO blog. And that got me a meeting with Brian. And that helped me get in front of the Alumni Association, which got me in to photograph the bust, which got me uh, the spring game uh, to shoot that photographically for uh, Steve Lorenz and 24-7 Sports, which got me a job at 24-7 Sports. So there's the through line. That's how it relates to football. Uh, What I thought was interesting, I mentioned the John Beeline story of getting to work those Big Ten network events. I I know I covered a couple uh, gymnastics, men's, women's, more women's than men's. I think I only did one men's. Did the Big Ten, uh, Big Ten championship at Chrysler, uh, and uh, did a couple of basketball games. Got to watch a lot of practice and stuff like that, and it was really cool. John Beeline was as gracious and humble as you 
as you know him to be, and I've further come, came to know him to be covering him professionally. Um, but uh, it was always weird. I never really saw the football guys walking around, except for the one time I ran into Steve Breston and Macy's. Um, or, you know, obviously seeing Jackie and Jake Long about or uh, Mike Hart and those uh, times. But it always seemed like I saw Courtney Sims every day, every single day. I don't know why. Um, but, um, yeah, kind of hard to miss him. He was very tall. So that's it. That's the story. If there's anything else you want to know, ask it in the mailbag, which will be in two days. Uh, but, uh, yeah, good day to do that. Not a lot going on. We could have talked Big Ten's new president, Steve Politi, or Tony Politi. Steve Politi is a writer for uh, NJ.com, but uh, I don't really have a lot to say about it. So where we're at thank you for watching thank you for listening we'll be back on wednesday hopefully with actual news stuff to talk about we'll talk to you then battery held look at that peace